Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. As is our custom, let us stand as we read our scripture this morning, taken from Daniel. We'll read everything together. I'm getting a bit of an echo. Are you all hearing that? It's just me. Awesome. All righty. And suddenly... 
one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Let's worship as we sing, Come Thou Almighty King. us to praise Father all glorious or all victorious come and reign over us ancient of days come thou incarnate thy mighty sword, our prayer attend, come and thy people bless, and give thy word success, spirit of holiness on us descend. Sovereign Majesty, may we in glory see, and to eternity love and adore. Thy Sovereign Majesty, may we in glory see, and to eternity love and adore. Happy to be here today. Oh, worship the King. I want to be able to hear you, so let's sing. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His wonderful love. Our shield of days, pavilion in splendor and girded with praise. 
tell of his might and sing of his grace whose robe is the light whose canopy space his chariots of wrath the deep thunder clouds form and dark is his path on the wings of the storm thy bountiful care what tongue can recite it breathes in the air it shines in the light it streams from the hills it descends to the plain and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain frail children of dust and feeble as frail in thee do we trust nor find thee to fail thy mercies how tender how firm to thee Good morning. It's a really hard time. And so I finally Welcome to Hebrew Baptist Church. I am Pastor Sean, and I am glad that you're here worshiping Christ with us today. Uh, today is a little bit of a different day. We're all kind of wearing different hats, and I'm thankful to the Lord. I know you are as well, that the Lord has blessed us with many wonderful pastors and leaders here, that God has blessed this church to do different things. So here, just a kind of a behind-the-curtain uh, Pastor Mark uh, went to our sister church, a church plant that we support, support, excuse me, easy for me to say, Redeeming Life Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, because their worship pastor is adopting from India. And so they're there, he's like there for several weeks and like months. And so they don't have like they, they don't have like uh, on speed dial another worship leader they don't have a lot of churches even around uh, there in Salt Lake City so Pastor Mark went over to kind of fill in so uh, so that Pastor um, Brian has a little load off his plate a little bit and, and Pastor Mark is leading worship this morning isn't that awesome and so also today uh, Pastor uh, Pastor Sean me uh, was uh, doing um, uh, board of trustee meeting for Southeastern Seminary this past week and so uh, I was out of town so Pastor Allen's going to come and preach for me and so now I'm doing Pastor Allen's part right now so you don't normally see me uh, doing this so uh, we're thankful for the team that the Lord has blessed us with here at Hebron Baptist uh, so uh, those of you who are, who are guests are like I don't know any of the people that you just mentioned uh, so it doesn't but just know that the Lord has blessed us and we've got a lot of things going on here at Hebron Baptist and we want to help you take your next steps in Christ. So wherever you are, if you want to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you do that today. Uh, if you've uh, never led someone to the Lord, we want to help you and train you that you might share the gospel in someone in your family or in your work or at your school. Uh, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip and you've never done that before we want to help you do that but whatever that is here at Hebron Baptist we want to help you take your next steps in Christ 
So we want to welcome you. If you're a guest, if this is your first time here, uh, welcome. And in the pew in front of you is a little thing we call the Connect Card. I, see, I don't do this. I don't, I'm not prepared like Alan, but it's to show you what it looks like. But right there, you can see it. Look in front of you, and it says Connect Card at the top. Fill that out and make sure that you take it. If this is your first time with us today, go through the double doors and to the left is what we call our next steps desk. Go there because they have a gift waiting for you. So make sure that you fill that out today and uh, that you, um, that you uh, connect with us because we want to connect with you and ask you how we might be able to support you and encourage you in your faith. Uh, members, thank you for those of you who might be worshiping at home with us today or those of you who are here. Uh, thank you for being here today. We encourage you as part of our uh, commitment to one another is giving. And so uh, we encourage you to give in the pew in front of you is a giving card. It's a QR code. You can snap right there on the video if you'd like or that giving card that's in front of you. And that'll take you to our online giving. Or you can do so here in person. There's black boxes in the back. You can slip that in there as you leave. Or you can bring it to the church Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Or uh, Friday, 9 to noon. So you can drop that off here at the church as well. So uh, thank you for giving and thank you for supporting. We're going to see a video here. I think I jumped over the video, didn't I? So maybe we should go to the video before I pray. We have a video, is that right? I was okay, raised in a Christian home, but I gave my parents a really hard time. And so I finally decided to join the military because I wanted to do something hard and actually finish it. And it was actually towards the end of my military service when I gave my life to Christ. And having spent time in the army, I know uh, that it can be a really spiritually dark place. They're young. They're far from family for the first time. They don't have maybe a lot of good influences. A lot of broken homes, marriage struggling, addiction, a desperate need for the gospel. There's a lot of young Marines here, and they're living in the barracks. When we started this church, we knew that that was an area that God was calling us to reach, to host Marines for a Marine dinner once a month is where it started. To have something like a dinner that they can come to and just be themselves and sit on a couch and eat a warm meal is really impactful for them. More and more guys started coming, and we baptized our first Marine last summer and then that marine led to another marine and then another one to the point now where every week we're seeing fruit this church like means business uh, they don't they are not okay with you just punching your church card every week and <laughs> it was obvious that this was a church that was doing church like the Bible says we should do church. I feel encouraged every time I go to church, like I wish every day was Sunday. When people give to Annie Armstrong, it enables churches like ours to reach military members and their families with the gospel. Washington, D.C. is a city with many, many nations. So to have a gospel-centered, healthy church here is reaching not only the people in this city, but cities all across the world. The military is already moving people around and as they're moved from place to place they can take the gospel with them it's exactly what Jesus has called us to do and God is changing people's lives oh, we're thankful to be a part of a network of churches that support missionaries throughout North America and the world but during April and March we focus on these North American missionaries we're thankful First of all, for those men and women who serve our country and serve us. 
but even grateful for a church that's there to support them as they serve us. And so uh, if you would consider praying for and also giving to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. This offering goes actually next through next Sunday. Uh, of course, you can give through it actually throughout the year, but we put a main focus on it now. We hope that to encourage you to give to that. If you haven't done so, do it today. Set a reminder. Do what you need to do to do a sacrificial gift because 100% of the proceeds go to these missionaries and these churches and these ministries here in North America. They don't, it doesn't stop in Alpharetta where North America, uh, the mission board is. It doesn't stop in Nashville where the executive board is. It goes straight to our missionaries on the field. And so uh, we hope that you would support in that and give generously uh, towards that. So let's go. We have a time of prayer. Uh, we gather together. We are God's people, and we have the privilege of praying. And so together we come to pray, and this is an important time for us to pray together. So I'm going to pray for ourselves, uh, pray for the world, pray for other churches. So if you would, join me in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we are thankful and grateful to be with brothers and sisters in Christ today. We're thankful because... Uh, we know through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, that we have been saved to become a new people, one that honors and adores you and loves you. And so, Lord, I pray this morning, as we gather as your people, that you would be the first on our lips, the first in our hearts. And, Lord, as we worship you, that, Lord, you would be priority in our life. Heavenly Father, we are thankful as you have created this community of believers of how you've put in us and envision us values that we represent for you and to the world. And Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the value of engaging worship. Lord, first of all, knowing that you uh, have made yourself known is humbling. You as a creator and the one true God did not need to make yourself known to us, but in your grace and mercy and love has made yourself known. And so, Lord, we can come and know you as creator and God. But Heavenly Father, you've made us more known more than that, that you are our Father who has sent his Son to die for us, that no matter who we are and how far we've gone away from you, through your Son, Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven and made new. So Lord, we worship you. Thank you for inviting us to worship you. Thank you that we can gather in this place freely and worship you. And so, Lord, that through every prayer and every song and, and the word that will be, that will be raised up is, is to be to you in honor of you. And, Lord, help us to focus. There's many things that we have, we have drug in here with us this morning. But, Heavenly Father, the most important thing for this hour is you. And help us to focus on you. As we gather, let our hearts be genuine as we sing words of praise to you. Lord, help us to engage you as a way to focus only through the words and through the gospel. And, and Lord, may we not just go through the motions this morning, but instead be connected and honor you. May we sing and bring you our best, not our leftovers. Lord, in our personal quiet times with you, the sweet moments of praise that, Lord, it would be joy-filled through our times of family worship, Lord, that you would be connected to us as a family and to our children. And Lord, help us as we gather to be a source of encouragement to one another. 
that our first focus of worship is to you, but we know that there is a horizontal effect to one another. Lord, as, as we each sing to you, maybe it encouragement to someone else who, who needs that this morning. So Lord, we are thankful that we can be in a place that values worship. Heavenly Father, we lift up Terry Lee and Abby uh, Kirkland, Lord, pastor and wife of the Oaks Church. Lord, you've raised up many leaders there, and Lord, they have gone to a church that is just starting to one that is beginning to run. And so, Lord, as they face another Easter and another focus on reaching people in Cincinnati, Lord, we pray, God, that you would bless their lead up to Easter. We pray that you would uh, bless their service, that many people would come to know you through it, and many would be connected to your church there. Lord, we pray, God, that you would protect their family. Lord, we know that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion wanting to strike and kill. So, Lord, protect their family, protect their family time, protect them as leaders there as they continue to put the gospel first in Cincinnati. And we pray that you would encourage them as they serve them there in the Oaks area of Cincinnati. Heavenly Father, we pray for those uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, Lord, we do not want to lose sight as the secular media continues to move forward with other things. We know that there are families that are broken. We know that there are seminaries and churches that are shut down. We know that there is fear among people. We know that there is devastation that will last decades and so, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ there in Ukraine. We pray, Lord, that you would be hedges of protection around them, that you would uh, give them a, a source of encouragement for men and women who have st stayed to fight. Give them a sense of, of hope, knowing that their family is taken care of. Give them strength and, and protection and provision, Lord. God, we pray for our believers in Russia, Lord. We, there, it would be so simple for us to, to fall into a trap of, of claiming all, all of Russia is evil when we know that there is leaders there that, uh, that are leading this. But, Lord, we know that there are brothers and sisters in Christ in Russia who are, who are in house churches or leading women's Bible studies. And, and God, I pray for them. As they, as they seek to honor you and, and to be uh, messengers of peace. God, protect the church there. And Lord, we pray, God, that uh, through your spirit and through your hand of sovereignty, that there is no leader, there is no king, there is no president, there is no parliament or congress that can act outside of your hand. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bring peace to that area of the world and help us if Lord would see fit, if there is an opportunity or there's some uh, phone call that we would receive to bring in a, a refugee uh, needing uh, provision, that the Lord, that you would put it within us a, a heart for hospitality. And Lord, help with those people who are needing help to find help in the church and among believers in the Christian world. Heavenly Father, we admit that we don't engage in worship like we should. And we know, Lord, that sometimes we go through our quiet times and we, and Lord, we, we, we punch a clock or, or we make it dry or we just make sure we do it real fast. 
Lord, sometimes we do that in worship, that we come making it about ourselves, about our preferences, that we judge others, or we judge our time together. Heavenly Father, we confess these sins to you, and we repent because we know worship is not about us. It's about you. And Lord, I am thankful that when I fail and that when I don't make worship about you, that I can rest in the arms of a Savior who has died for me. That I know that my failures, my mistakes, all of it is wiped away by the blood of the Lamb. So Lord, I come to you claiming the hope of the gospel for me, but for all of us this morning, knowing that our sins can be forgiven. And knowing because of your son Jesus and what will happen that we, uh, we celebrate this Easter weekend, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, giving us victory over sin and forgiveness forever. Lord, thank you. And we come to praise you as your, as your people, as you deserve our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn it over to Steve. Thankful for Steve that steps in and lovingly leads us on Sunday mornings when, when uh, uh, Mark is gone. Steve, come and lead us. Thank you, Pastor Sean. Let's all stand as we continue our worship. We're going to sing a couple more songs. The first one is called All Glory Be to Christ. I hope you came today prepared for worship. I don't know if you know this or not, but as, as congregation members, we have a role to play in worship and part of that is being prepared so I want you to ask yourself am I prepared or am I coming to as the marine or the army uh, sergeant said just to punch a church clock I hope you haven't come to do that today because if you have then you're going to miss out on a wonderful blessing and especially listen to the words of the second song that Carrie will lead out uh, called speak O Lord No legacy survive Unless the Lord does raise the house In vain its builders strive To you who boast tomorrow's gain Tell me what is your life a mist that vanishes at dawn all glory be to christ all glory be to christ our king all glory be to christ his rule and reign will ever sing all glory be to Christ. His will be done, His kingdom come on earth as is above. Who is Himself our daily bread? Praise Him, the Lord of love. Let's satisfy the thirsty without price we'll take a cup of kindness yet 
grab a Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. We'll be in Matthew chapter 7 and we'll start in verse 13. Matthew 7 verse 13. And while you're turning there, I just want to say hello. It's so good to be with you all as usual and I just want to extend my gratitude to this church body. I love Hebrew Baptist Church. I'm so blessed by the fellowship and the friendships that we share here. It's a blessing to join with you all here today. So, We'll be continuing through our study in the Sermon on the Mount here this morning in Matthew chapter 7, and I'll read verses 13 and 14 to start us out here. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Let's pray. Father, we ask, we beg this morning that you would plant your truth deep in our hearts. We pray that you would bring us to humility before you. We pray that you would bless our faith, try it, test it, that it would be made true. Lord, I pray this morning that you would allow me to disappear and that you would shine through, that you would speak to us, Jesus, today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, last summer, my parents invited me and my siblings and our families to join them on a little vacation to St. Joseph, Michigan. 
and it was super fun. It's a little uh, beach town there off of Lake Michigan. I'd never been there before. It's nice. It's quaint. When we arrived, I remember we were still getting settled when my sister and I and my kids, we decided, let's go check out the beach. So people were still kind of getting settled in, in the little place that we had. But we, we just walked there to the beach. It was a few blocks away from the house we were staying at. And when we got there, I was happy to see that there was a carousel there right next to the beach. That made me very happy. I like rides and carousels. So we could see the beach, but we didn't even go there first. We just went to this carousel. It was not an outdoor carousel. It was enclosed in this glass building. If you can picture kind of like a glass gazebo-looking building, kind of large. And as we got closer, I could see through the glass. I could see the carousel was operating. People were riding on it, so I was excited. Let's go hop on this carousel. So we had to find the entrance to it. It, it turned out we were on the opposite side of the building as the entrance. So we walked around, and there it was. Uh, the entrance to the carousel building. People were, were headed in there, and I was so happy. Here we go. So we stepped right up, and as we approached the entrance, there's this woman there who works there, and she had, looked like some kind of like a clip like a list or something and she stopped us and she explained that the carousel was only open for a private event it was not for the general public and at that time I kind of realized we were in our beach clothes but everyone going in they were dressed nice and formal and I realized we're not welcome here I we have missed this party and it was heartbreaking because I can see the people rushing in and I thought I was gonna be one of them but to my surprise I was not one of them and I could not go enjoy that awesome carousel. Well, in the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning is Jesus is coming to the end, almost to the end, of the Sermon on the Mount. He gets real, and he gives some warnings about how to not miss out on the greatest party of all, the kingdom of heaven. And totally being transparent here, he gets in our face. He gets fire and brimstone on us. He's not politically correct. Um, so we're going to feel it this morning. It's not always comfortable. But as I've been kind of thinking and meditating on, on this passage, I'm seeing the heart of Jesus, at least one of his motivations here, is that of love for his listeners. He doesn't want us to miss out on the greatest party, on the kingdom of heaven. So these warnings to us, they're a gift. Jesus is like a good friend. Not the kind of friend who, when he sees you just going off into something that's going to be destructive, he just keeps his mouth shut, doesn't want to rustle up things. No, he's the kind of friend who will let you know because he loves you so much. Look, what you're doing is not taking you where you want to be. You need to set course differently. That's the kind of friend Jesus is this morning. So this morning, in this passage, Jesus calls us to kingdom check. He calls us to examine, to self-examine our faith. He gives us three pictures this morning of what it looks like to enter the kingdom of heaven or aspects of that. In each of these, he shows us eternal destinations that we can be led to, either that of eternal life in the kingdom of heaven or eternal death in the hells of fire. I know, he's real, it's intense. So this morning, I'm hoping we can look at these three portraits Jesus paints for us, with each of these asking ourselves, how, Jesus, are you calling me to check my faith? And to do this, I've arranged this with three questions. Three questions that ask us, how can we check our faith today? The first of these three questions is, am I entering through the narrow gate? Am I entering through the narrow gate? Let's look once again at these verses in Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, 
and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. In this first picture, Jesus describes two gates. One is narrow, and one is wide. It's like he's saying, if you want to go to the kingdom of heaven, it's going to be like an unpopular road to go down. It's going to be lonely. It'll feel like you're going down this small road, but the masses are going the opposite direction to a big gate. That's what it's going to feel like. Jesus is exclusive in what he's saying here. I don't think Jesus would be very popular in some of our cultural circles today. Look at this, for example, in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the invitation is for everyone, but there's only one way to the kingdom that Jesus says. It's only through Jesus that we can come to the Father. Similarly, in Acts 4.12, Peter spoke of Jesus saying, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. So again, Jesus, he's exclusive. This is not a popular thing that he's, that he's saying here. I don't think he would say something like, You do you. I'll do me. We'll all all end up in the kingdom of heaven somehow together one day. No, Jesus, he is the narrow gate, but he's motivated by love as he shares these truths with us. You may have heard of the parable of the blind men and the elephant. It's a parable of these blind men who've never seen an elephant before. They've never heard of an elephant, but they have the opportunity to examine one with their hands. So several blind men are brought in, and one person touches the elephant's tail, another his ear, his trunk, his tusk, his side, his leg, and they come to all these different conclusions as to what they're feeling. One person might have said, I think this is a snake, and another maybe, well, this is a tree trunk, and another, this is a wall. And the, the point of the parable is we should be careful to think exclusively about something, to, to find absolute truth in something when we only have part of the information about it. And of course, that is true. It is true that in life in general, we need to be careful to come into conclusions so we have all the information. But some have applied this parable to God. They say El- and this elephant is God. And these blind men represent different worldviews. And we shouldn't be exclusive because all these different religions around the world, they only have part of the picture. This at first might sound good, but that's not the view of the Bible. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus doesn't say, there are many gates, all of them lead to God. He says, there's one gate, and it's narrow. It might be helpful if we were to kind of use that parable to think, Maybe it is true that we are all blind. We all have a limited view of who God is, except Jesus. He is the one who sees clearly who God the Father is. And he's the one who has told us there's only one way to God the Father. There's only one way to the kingdom of heaven, and that is through Jesus. In a 2013 Billy Graham video, the story of a man named Jim Monroe is told. Jim he was told that he had cancer and that there was no cure for him. He had been married for only five years and he had a three-year-old girl and a two-year-old boy. He explains, the cancer doctor looked at me and he said, Mr. Monroe, we cannot cure you of your disease. There is something, however, that we would like to try. It's called a bone marrow transplant. The problem with your body is that your white blood cells are making bad copies of bad copies. Your body is deceiving itself. It's playing a trick on itself. 
He said, what we need to do is we need to completely destroy your system. And what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to find someone in the world whose DNA matches yours close enough and grow a brand new immune system, a brand new blood system from scratch. We're going to substitute someone else's perfect blood on your behalf so that you can live again. Jen, he goes on explaining, they began the most vicious concoction of chemo, the goal of which was not to destroy the cancer of my body, but literally to destroy me. It was hell. It was a slow death. We were waiting to hear from the National Bone, Man, Bone uh, Marrow Donor Program. Seven million people currently registered on the database, and there was only one match for me, just one. It was a 19-year-old female. They said, Mr. Monroe, your bone marrow transplant is scheduled for April 23rd. You're going to get a brand new birthday. They said, you're going to be like a baby inside the womb all over again. Literally, I was going to be born anew. And then I'll never forget, on April 23rd, they brought this bag of blood into my room. And everyone was hoping in that moment that my body would receive that new life, that new blood. I sit here today 100% completely cancer-free. When they look at my blood today, they see a 19-year-old female. They see her. They see XX chromosome. For Jim, no Band-Aid, no medicine, no counseling, no therapy could have cured him of his disease. The only hope he had, the one way of hope that he had, was to get a whole new life from the inside out. Any worldview, any world religion that doesn't have the perfect sacrifice who can give us a new life is like putting a Band-Aid on cancer. It cannot bring us to the kingdom of God. Jesus is the only way. He is the narrow gate, the only way that we can go to the kingdom of heaven. So I ask you and I ask me, do we have Jesus as our only hope? Are we putting our hope in him alone as the narrow gate? The narrow gate of Jesus calls us to renounce all other gods, all other rulers on our heart and to surrender everything to Jesus as Lord. I remember when I was in uh, junior high or high school, this moment of doubting my faith and thinking, am I really a believer? I had put my faith in Jesus as a younger child, but is that enough? Is that all I need to do to come to Jesus and, and to go to heaven one day? And I remember what I needed to hear in that moment, and what I did ultimately receive was that, yes, the, the gate is narrow, but it is simple. It's faith in Jesus alone that is the way to God the Father. It can be a lonely road. It can be a discouraging path through the narrow gate. We can feel like the whole world is going in the opposite direction. Students, it may be unpopular. Other friends of yours might be saying, look, there's so many other ways I can find satisfaction. It's not just Jesus. It can be the same for workers, for adults, as, amongst our peers, as, as we talk to other coworkers or other, other families. It is exclusive. It's unpopular to see Jesus as the only way. But that is the truth. That is the narrow gate. It can feel lonely, and that's why we need each other. If you're here today, if you don't have a local church body, we'd love for you to join us. We love to come together and to love each other and encourage each other on this narrow road. Or if you're not involved in a life group or a D group, you can join these groups of believers so we can help each other through the challenges of this path on this narrow road through this narrow gate. 
So the first way that Jesus calls us to check our faith is by asking, am I entering through the narrow gate? Am I entering through the narrow gate? But he doesn't stop there. He goes on, not just by asking, are we on the narrow gate, but next by asking, secondly, am I bearing healthy fruit? Jesus calls us to check our faith by asking, am I bearing healthy fruit? Let's keep reading here in Matthew 7. I'll read verses 15 through 20. Jesus says, Be on your guard against false prophets who come into you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire so you'll recognize them by their fruit. So here Jesus, he warns us, he warns us here is to watch out for false prophets. They might look like sheep, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. D.A. Carson has some helpful thoughts here on false prophets. He says, warnings against false prophets are necessarily based on the conviction that not all prophets are true, that truth can be violated, and that the gospel's enemies usually conceal their hostility and try to pass themselves off as fellow believers. At first glance, they use orthodox language, show biblical piety, and are indistinguishable from true prophets. Neither the damage these false prophets do nor their brand of false teaching is stated— here in in Jesus' sermon, but the flow of the Sermon on the Mount and its Old Testament background suggest they neither acknowledge nor teach the narrow way to life subject to persecution. They have never really come under kingdom authority, and since the only alternative to life is destruction, they imperil their followers. So these false prophets, they lead people not down that narrow way, but that broad way that leads to destruction, and will know them by their fruit. Recently, Heather and I, we've been trying to teach our kids to brush their teeth each, each night before they're going to bed. And so we'll say, okay, guys, go brush your teeth. We have a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. And they'll come back, and I'll say, did you brush your teeth? And they'll say, yes. And I'll say, okay, let me smell your breath. So they come over, they open a little mouth, I smell, and I can say, yep, that was brushed, or no, that one wasn't brushed. You can tell by the smell of their breath if they brush their teeth. You'll know a false prophet by the fruit that he bears. We as a church, as leaders, as members, we have a responsibility to test and inspect the teaching that comes from this pulpit, from all the classrooms in this church, from the life groups, in youth group, in seniors ministry. We have, we have the task to test and to check the fruit, not just the message, but the lives that are lived by those who are teaching. We have to be on the guard for false prophets. It's not only in the church, but it's in local families, true. As spouses, we have the joy and responsibility to serve each other by watching out for each other, by checking each other's influences. As parents, we have the joy of watching over our kids, of taking guard to what influences they're taking in, things on the internet, TV, media, their mentors, and we have the responsibility to intentionally carve out time as parents so that we can be the primary influences in our children's lives. We have to be on guard for false prophets. At the same time, while Jesus' primary uh, focus here is on false prophets, 
this section on healthy fruit has application to all of us, doesn't it? When we become believers in Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, we're turning to him as our savior. But in that turn, we're turning away from sin. That's repentance. Faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. And when we make that, that switch, when we repent, when we turn from sin, that means life change is happening in our lives. To continue to use Jesus' metaphor here of trees, when we become believers, we sink our roots into fresh soil, the soil of the gospel, and new nutrients are flowing up into us, and they, they bring life change. It makes me think of the picture painted in Psalm 1, uh, speaking of, of, of a believer who meditates on God's instruction. Psalm 1, beginning in verse 2, says, His delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams and bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment. Whereas those who don't follow God don't have this strong foundation. Those who do, when turning to Christ, have this strong foundation. And up through the, 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 the tree of the person who trusts in Jesus comes fruit. We'll know a believer by his fruit. Now, of course, it's, not, it, it's a messy process. It doesn't look as clean-cut as we would like. We'd like to hope that as soon as I become a believer in Jesus, every day after that day, I will bear more and more fruit, and life will get better and better, and I'll never fall into sin again. That's not the way it looks so often. There are moments where there's huge setbacks. There are moments in my life where I look back and think, was I even a believer? The sin I committed was so horrible. What was going on? There's times of huge discouragement, times of temptation, but the hope is, in a healthy believer's life across the long term, if you've been a believer for years, that we'll be able to look back to that moment when I became a believer from now, and I can say, I have a long way to come still, but I can praise God that I can see over the course of my Christian life, God is bearing fruit. I can see he's maturing me here. He's growing me here. Even though there was a real low spot there, he is bearing fruit in my life. It's in that sense that we can see God at work bearing fruit. So examine your heart. Is there fruit being born? It's helpful, as we learned in Psalm 1 here, to spend a, have a daily habit of spending time in God's word and in prayer so that our roots are daily soaked in the nutrients of knowing God, of, of calling out to him in prayer and receiving his wisdom and his life and his word. And this is an opportunity to praise God, to, to take the opportunity and look back at your life. Look at where you were when you came to Christ and see what he has done. Over many years, what he does in our life, we can praise God that he doesn't leave us how he found us, but he bears fruit in our daily lives. So Jesus is calling us to check our faith. One, by asking, am I entering through the narrow gate? Two, asking, am I bearing healthy fruit? And then three, last, am I fostering a genuine relationship with Jesus? Three, am I fostering a genuine relationship with Jesus? Let's look at the last section of Matthew 7 that we'll be going through this morning. Starting in verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Let's dive into this passage a little bit. Verse 21, starting out, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So that means saying Jesus as Lord, just as lip service, just as some kind of a magical password, that's not what it takes to go to the kingdom of heaven. It's not just saying Lord, Lord, and that's it. It's not just knowing the, the five letters that spell Jesus. What matters is, are we fostering a genuine relationship with Jesus as our Savior? Jesus digs deeper into this in verse 22. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name. Of course, prophesying and driving out demons and performing miracles in and of themselves, they're not bad things. Jesus did all those things. Jesus' disciples did things like this. Matthew 10 says of Jesus, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. In Matthew 10, from there, it goes on to list all the names of the 12 disciples, including Judas, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I assume this means that even Judas, he did miracles of some kind. But was that from a heart of knowing Jesus as Savior? Judas is an example of how close someone can be in proximity to Jesus, but not truly, genuinely know him as Savior. Hearing those words, I never knew you, depart from me, from Jesus, is the worst words I can ever fathom hearing. We can do all kinds of outward things that make it look like we know Jesus. We can go and serve the poor. We can do hospitality to our neighbors. We can be kind to others. We can attend a church. We can walk down an aisle. We can do all kinds of things. But what really matters is, do we genuinely know Jesus as Savior? The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah said these words. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom the strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. Do we know Jesus genuinely? Are we fostering a genuine relationship with him as our Savior? Of course, we could spend a lot of time here at church. We can talk about Jesus. Judas probably did those same things. He hung out with Jesus a lot, but he didn't know Jesus as Savior. In contrast, I think about the criminal who was on the cross next to Jesus. He didn't spend a lot of time with Jesus. As far as we know, he didn't cast out any demons or do any miracles. We know little about him. He was a criminal sentenced to death for his crimes. But he did know Jesus. As Savior. In his last moments of his life, he surrendered his life to Jesus as Savior. Luke tells us of this criminal. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And he, Jesus, said to him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. So the question is, do we genuinely know Jesus as Savior? Growing up, one of my favorite movies was Aladdin, the Disney animated version back then. I remember going with my family to see it in the theaters, and I had an Aladdin birthday party, and it was so cool. I had a little plastic Aladdin lamp and a stuffed animal genie. I loved it. The story of Aladdin, it's about this poor boy who is really interested in this rich girl, this Princess Jasmine, and he meets this genie who can make him look like this cool royal prince, and the genie gives him this whole parade of elephants and sorcerers and dancers, and he looks so cool, but it's all on the outside. All that Jasmine really cares about is a relationship with him. All that stuff is just fluff. All that really matters is that genuine relationship. That's kind of how it is with us and God. We can do all these things, outward-looking things, serving things, all kinds of good stuff, but if it doesn't come from the heart of a genuine relationship with God, then it doesn't really last. It's not bad to do good things. That shows fruit in our lives. That shows God's at work in our lives. That's God's call in our life to do good works, but they're works that flow from a heart of a genuine relationship with Jesus. So here's the core question. Here is what Jesus, as a loving friend, is presenting to his hearers here. Do you know him? Do you genuinely know him as Savior? The beautiful message of the gospel at which Jesus is the center is that we're all in a predicament. We have all sinned against a holy God, and there is no way on our own for us to be made right with him again. But God, he has taken the necessary step to make that, that bridge between us and our sin and him. He has taken the rescuing step. He sent God the Son incarnate, Jesus, to live a perfect life where we have all failed, to die on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve because of our sins, and to conquer that, to rise from the dead. And now the question is, will we put our faith in him, knowing him, as Savior. If you have questions about this, if you've never heard this message before, or you've never taken that step to really know Jesus as your personal Savior, we'd love to answer those. The pastors after, after service, or just anyone who's a member of this church, if you feel comfortable reaching out to them, if you have questions, we would love to help you take your next step toward Christ. And for all of us, as believers, this is the continual good news that we feed on every day, the good news of Jesus. This is a call to joy. The call to know Jesus, to foster that relationship with him, is a call to a joy in that relationship that nothing else can provide. We can turn to every other thing in this world, every other pleasure, every other uh, thing that we could try to achieve, any kind of great award we could kind of get, and nothing will give us the joy that knowing Jesus gives. John 17, 3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. This is also a call to humility. Coming to Jesus, knowing him as Savior, means that we are not our own Savior. That we are sinners with no hope except what God can provide to us through his Son. So coming to know Jesus is a joyful thing. It's a humbling thing. It is life. So, 
we come back to Jesus from a place of love. He is painting these three pictures so that we may not miss out on that great party, the kingdom of heaven. And to help us check our faith, he asks us, am I entering through the narrow gate? Am I bearing healthy fruit? And am I fostering a genuine relationship with Jesus as Savior? I started by telling you that story about me and my sister and our kids wanting to go ride that carousel in that moment and we couldn't. The door was closed for us. It was too late. We weren't on the list. That day we had to go somewhere else. But it's not too late for any of us here today to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the beautiful thing. It's not too late. The call to us today is to put our faith in Jesus as our Savior. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your love for us, given to us in these warnings that are hard at times to hear. Things that may not be popular, but that are true. We thank you, Jesus, for your amazing passion for us, for your rescue toward us, for the hope that you give us of eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. And we pray that you would help us as we examine our own faith, that you would identify for us if our faith is genuine and that you would lead us to genuine faith. Help us to share your good news with those around us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.
verses are some of the hardest verses in the scripture when Jesus gives us hard words I took from what brother Allen said he's saying it to us as a friend who's calling us to himself I can't think of anybody better than Allen to give us those hard words uh, amen I mean, who, who gave you that scripture to do that's so hard brother Oh, it's me. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, brother, I tell you, what a, for all of us, a heart check, right? To call people to Christ. To call them to faith in Christ. It's our faith that saves. And a faith that in us, God has created us to grow and produce much fruit. We've got to be careful. There's many who have heard the gospel and have tried to staple or tape fruit on our trees. 
but it's only a fruit that comes from a relationship and a faith in the grace of Christ. So uh, I encourage you to take, take count with the Lord. Uh, have you truly repented, turned away from sin, and followed Jesus? Friend, by faith, you can be made whole and made new. And so thank you for those words, and thank you for the words of Jesus who calls us to that. A couple of quick announcements before we leave today. First of all, again, remind you of the Annie Armstrong Easter offering that we saw the video of earlier. Uh, hopefully you'll pray and give generously to that. You can still do that even next week, and you can continue even beyond Easter. But we strongly encourage you to support the work of Christ through the local church as they are planting new churches. And so we hurt, encourage you to do that. Next Sunday is our Easter service, and we hope that you would invite someone. Out on the Next Steps desk, there are invitations that you can take and, and hand to someone uh, and invite them to Easter service with you. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe someone who is far from the Lord. Maybe it's someone who's not connected to a local church. You know, through COVID, you know, I was thinking, I saw in the video, they were worshiping outside, and uh, I was just thinking back to those days, we never did outside service, but we know a lot of churches did, but they got disconnected from church. What a great time to invite someone to get reconnected to other believers, but most importantly to Christ through a local church at Easter. So we know that the Lord uses those opportunities to bring people back in. And so uh, look for opportunities. Pray for that. Maybe that's that one person that Lord has already put on your mind right now that you can, that you can invite uh, to church, to Easter Sunday service next week. We hope that you would do so. In that um, mind, wonderful, awesome stuff, we had a, had a challenge to reach 150 people, if you remember, uh, uh, by, by, was it April? I think it was, it was in April? So yeah, so April, we passed that goal. We went past 150, and then we were like, let's do it again. Let's ask God to give us another 150 that we can touch and invite, uh, and share the gospel, bring to Life Group. And if you look out on our board, we're almost there. So if you do, you invite someone to church or share the gospel, make sure you drop a ping pong in there. But also, come back today at 4 o'clock. We'll we're getting a lot of those through our Gospel to Every Home groups. Uh, so if you can come between 4 to 6 today uh, and, and go out with a group. If you've never done it before, don't worry. We're not going to you know, make you be a, uh, a Gospel Rambo and go out by yourself and uh, do it all on your own. We'll, we'll partner you with someone and we'll make sure that you're comfortable and uh, you can be the prayer and somebody else can be the sharer. Uh, but just come out as we go out to our community and invite people to Christ uh, and invite them to Easter service. So come today. There will be no child care today, uh, but there will be gospel to every home at 4 o'clock today. And one last thing uh, today we want to celebrate. We do this uh, on some birthdays when they're special birthdays. And tomorrow is a special birthday of Marie Sewell, who will be 97 years old. Praise God! The Lord has used Miss Marie uh, to bless our church, to bless the kingdom of God, and uh, to bless her family, and she gets to celebrate. I hope you get, I hope they've got you a big cake for tomorrow. 
maybe one as big as me, and I hope that you celebrate big because 97 years is a big day. I know that some of you uh, feel like you're getting older. Well, you're a whippersnapper compared to 97, right? So, uh, so let's do this because this is a special birthday, and we only do this for special birthdays. Let's sing, right? We've got to sing. So to Miss Marie, ready? Happy birthday to That's exciting. Well, we're thankful for the church family that the Lord has blessed us with and the faithful, uh, faithful example Miss Marie and others have given to us as the, at this church. We are truly blessed. Uh, Thank you guys for coming to worship today. Thank you for singing to the Lord. Thank you for putting your trust in the gospel. Now may you go and, put, and tell the world about the one who came and died for you and rose again. And we'll see you next week as we worship together at Easter. God bless. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Oh